by the Great Horn Spoon. Chapter 3. News of the Sea Raven. The boy and the butler moved their carpet bags into a cabin with one porthole, four bunks, and six passengers. A hammock was strung up for Jack. Since Mountain Jim preferred to sleep on the floor, with his yellow bobcat cap for a pillow, there was room for all. Shucks, he smiled. If I was to sleep in a bed, I'd think I was sick. Among their cabin mates was Dr. Buckby, the horse doctor. He was going out to the mines on his wooden leg to locate a rich gold deposit. He had a map, he whispered, that marked the very spot. At the same time he carried an alarm trumpet around his neck day and night, in case anyone tried to take the map from him. In addition to Mountain Jim and Dr. Buckby, there was an ex-soldier named Nath Tweedy. He still wore his forage cap and hickory shirt, and kept his rifle and bayonet propped in a corner of the cabin. Finally there was Mr. Azaria Jones, a jolly Yankee trader who was as big as the cabin was small. As Jack was soon to discover, Mr. Azaria Jones could squeeze through the cabin door only by holding his breath. He said he weighed three hundred pounds, barefoot and bald-headed. It amused Praiseworthy that the Yankee trader had unwittingly provided Jack and himself with their accommodations in the hold. The eighteen barrels of potatoes belonged to Mr. Azaria Jones, who planned to sell them in San Francisco. When all of these passengers were in the cabin at one and the same time, it seemed to Jack that the walls would burst. At night the chorus of snoring and snorting was a sea-going grand opera. Jack learned to fall asleep with his fingers in his ears. When a good wind was blowing, the Lady Wilma spread her sails and saved fuel. Day by day the sun grew more fiery. Soon there was hardly a breath of air left on shipboard. The canvas hung limp and dispirited from the yard-arms. Tar oozed from between the deck-planking, and dripped from the rigging. But with her machinery clanking, the ship went thrashing on, digging her stout bows into the equator. Wherever Jack went, good luck the pig came trotting at his heels. When Jack stretched out under the stern-boat to add a few words to his letter, the porker found him and nuzzled into the shade beside him. Jack refused to scratch his back. "'I told you yesterday,' he said. He must be stern. "'You'd better stop following me. We've got to stop being friends, you and me, sir. I've made up my mind. If pigs were so smart, they wouldn't eat so much. See how fat you're getting? Don't you know you're going to end up in the galley? Every time the cook sees you, he smacks his lips. Sunday dinner, that's what you are. Go away, sir.' but the porker merely nudged Jack's elbow lovingly with his black snout. "'I told you,' said Jack, "'I'm not going to scratch your back any more. Let me be.' There was no reasoning with the porker. He promptly fell asleep in the shade, and Jack gave a hearty sigh. There was no escape for the pig. Next week, or the week after, the cook would come looking for him with a meat cleaver. Jack put it out of his mind, and let the porker sleep. For a moment he watched the flying fish, startled by the crash of paddle-wheels, leap through the air like arrows shot from the sea. Then he wrote, "'I take pen in hand again, dearest aunt and dearest sisters, to tell you of our adventures to date. But first I will say that you would hardly know me these winter days. I am browned to a crisp, except for my nose. It sunburns something awful and keeps peeling.' 
Captain Swain says my nose looks like a molting chicken. We still have had no sight of the sea raven, so I can't tell you how the race is coming. I certainly hope we win. Praiseworthy wants me to be sure to remember him to you. I see I have already said that above. He just passed by. He walks around the deck fifty times every day. He carries his umbrella for shade. Hoping you will not worry, I will confess that we had a certain misfortune at the outset of our voyage, but all is well now. I have already mentioned the judge who rolls his own cigars. We took him for a gentleman, but that was an error in judgment. He is a desperate scoundrel whose name is Cut-Eye Higgins. Imagine. But he was no match for praiseworthy. I can tell you now that Mr. Cut-Eye Higgins had stolen our money. We had to work off our passage at the coal-bins. We never complained, not once. Praiseworthy says that if it weren't for me we might never have trapped Mr. Cut-Eye Higgins, but it was really the other way around. Praiseworthy never takes credit for himself. All I did was take good luck to the bunkers with me, where he got covered with coal-dust. That put the idea in Praiseworthy's head. Some day, when we sail back to Boston with our pockets full of gold nuggets, I'll tell you more and make you laugh. But you will be glad to know that Mr. Cut-Eye Higgins spends his days at the fire below decks, while we have our rightful cabin. We thought we would never find the rest of our money which the thief had hidden. Captain Swain helped us search the cabin, lighting up one of Mr. Cut-Eye Higgins' homemade cigars. We looked everywhere, and wouldn't have found the money at all if Captain Swain hadn't begun to choke on the cigar. There, rolled up inside, were our Boston banknotes. I will mail this letter at our first port of call. Rio de Janeiro. Imagine that. Your devoted runaways are seeing the world. I must stop now, as I just heard someone call, Ship Ahoy! Maybe it is the Sea Raven. When Jack looked up, the captain was standing on the paddle-box, squinting at a distant ship through his brass long-glass. Blast! he scowled. She's not the Sea Raven, mates. She's a square-rigger. Be calmed, no doubt. There's not enough breeze in these latitudes to snuff out a candle. It was almost two hours before the two ships came within hailing distance. Praiseworthy finished his fifty laps around deck, and Jack locked good luck in his pen. But ten minutes later the porker was at Jack's heels again. Captain Swain got out his silver speaking-tube and shouted across the water. With all her sails hanging like great curtains, the square-rigger seemed to Jack like some giant of the seas. "'Ahoy!' "'Ahoy!' answered the master of the square-rigger through his silver-speaking-tube. "'Have you seen the sea-raven, sir?' "'Hi, Captain. She came steaming by a day ago.' Captain Swain lowered the speaking-tube from his lips long enough to say, "'Blast!' The voice from the square-rigger floated across again. "'Can you give us a tow, Captain?' "'What's that?' I've been becalmed for a week. We're thirty-six days out of New Orleans and bound for California. Fever has broken out below decks, sir. The sea-raven turned her back on us and ran. I beg you, sir, give us a tow until we catch a wind to make port. Jack, standing on a capstan, could tell that Captain Swain was about to order full speed ahead. But now he could be seen pacing back and forth on the paddle-box, growling and grumbling to himself. Under the tropical sun the brass buttons on his coat glowed like lumps of fire. Towing the square-rigger would slow the Lady Wilma to a dogged crawl. Praiseworthy, too, under his black umbrella, watched the captain. 
every gold-seeker aboard seemed to be holding his breath, waiting for Captain Swain to make his decision. To come to the aid of the square rigger could very well mean that the Lady Wilma might be put out of the race. She might never catch up to the sea-raven. Captain Swain rubbed his plump nose. He cocked an eye at the sailing-ship with her canvas hanging dead from the yards. Then he raised the speaking-tube to his lips and shouted, "'Glad to help, sir. We'll throw you a hawser.' There came a wild shouting from the rails of the square-rigger, where passengers and crew tossed hats in the air. Jack couldn't help being swept up in their joy and relief, and he told himself that the Lady Wilma might yet get back in the race. If Captain Swain didn't think of something, praiseworthy would. Within the hour the side-wheeler was in harness like a sturdy ox, pulling her burden across the equator. The great southern cross rose higher in the heavens. Jack's education proceeded without books. Praiseworthy borrowed Captain Swain's brass long-glass, and at night the sky became their textbook. They examined strange constellations and star-clouds. It was a glittering landscape never seen overhead in Boston. "'Praiseworthy,' said Jack, "'was my father anything like you? I mean—' "'Nothing like me, Master Jack.' They were silent for a moment. There were times when Jack felt a great emptiness, a loneliness, that not even Aunt Arabella could dispel. Even if they should find no gold in California, he was glad to be travelling with Praiseworthy, to be sharing adventures and even misfortunes. "'Were you always a butler?' he asked. "'Always.' Jack brushed the hair out of his eyes. "'I mean, if you weren't a butler, you wouldn't have to call me Master Jack, as if we were at home. We're partners. You could call me Jack. Plain Jack.' "'Oh, no, I couldn't do that. It wouldn't be proper. No, indeed.' "'But I'd like it just fine.' "'We mustn't forget my position, Master Jack.' "'But if we strike it rich, you won't have to be a butler any more.' "'Oh, I shouldn't like to be anything but a butler. Not for a moment. I was born to my calling, like my father before me and his father before him. It will please me to go on serving your Aunt Arabella. Look there, Master Jack. I believe that is the constellation of the whale.' A fine sight, isn't it? The two gold ships, linked together like sausages, went lumbering through the sea. On the fifth day a puff of wind began to tug at the square rigger's jibs, and then, one after the other, the topsails, the royals, and the mainsails swelled out like great white clouds. "'By grabs, she's caught a wind!' roared Captain Swain, leaning out of the pilot-house window. With a general shout, the square rigger threw off the tow-lines, and the two ships parted. There was a final exchange of good wishes. Then the Lady Wilma kicked up her paddle-wheels, relieved of her burden, and sprinted forward. She was back in the race. Yay!